0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: What I want to do is I want to set the stage of where we're going to go in the next two times that I'm with you. We are teaching the Bible expositionally, and for you guests, I need to kind of bring you up to speed. We're teaching the book of Colossians, and as we do that, we will get into a bulk of Scripture. And in that bulk of Scripture, God is revealing to us truths that we can apply to our life today. And as I went through this passage of Scripture, I understood something from the life of the Apostle Paul about how he was called into ministry, and then as a minister, what did he do? What kind of lifestyle did he have? And so with that, I believe I could frame accurately the topic of what kind of minister does a church need? And I'm believing that that's important for us today, and even you young people, because I'm going to answer, I hopeful, hopefully today, the question is, how does a person get called into ministry? How would he know that he is called to do ministry, whether it's to be a missionary or a pastor or some type of what we will now refer to as vocational Christian service? Is it a career choice that I merely make? Or is there a special, unique message from God that would call me into ministry? Then explain through the same passage of Scripture, continuing, what now would a minister be like if you were to call that minister? And so that this way, you'll have something as a frame of reference. Now, most of you are saying, well, we already have a minister in our church. We don't need to call anyone. Well, folks, I want to say on record, I have no desire to go anywhere else. It is my desire that I will stay here as long as you'll allow me to be your pastor. This is where I want to stay. I have no desire going anywhere else. But I do know that there have been men... And there are stories told of men that are preaching the gospel that died right in front of their people with an old-fashioned heart attack. I just heard about a month ago about a man that was preaching and there was a windstorm and a tree came right through the church building and hit that pastor and crushed him right in front of the people. You don't know an old-fashioned heart attack had come. I am doing all that I can to yield to the Spirit of God, to be clean and close so there'd be no failure in moral issues or doctrinal or anything like that so that I could stand clean before you. But you never know when that's going to happen. There are many of you that are in military that I'm grateful that you're here every Sunday under the Word, but at the same time, we're going to have to say aloha to you because you're going to be called to go somewhere else. What would you be looking for in a church or slash slash pastor? And so I want to teach you what God's Word has to say about that. And then finally, my greatest passion of all is to equip men and women for full-time vocational work. I believe God has done that. If I look at my history, that it's a characteristic of my ministry to do that. I draw people to me. We have started ministries, started Bible college. We've been involved in that, teach, etc. Now, I'm saying that because that's what God has done. So here's my passion. My passion is that God would bring into our fellowship here men and women who are now beginning to sense, is God calling me into ministry, and how would I know that if it would be the case? And then we have to answer that biblically. So true, you probably could go to some other churches and hear other messages on how to get out of debt and how to have a better marriage, and we do talk about that, but they'll shy away from talking about some of the real nuts and bolts of the issues of, how would I know if I'm called into ministry? And I don't want to shy away from that. My calling is to equip you with that information, I hope that it would. So let's say we're looking for a pastor. What kind of a pastor would you look for in your church? Would you put a wand out? On Monday mornings, I have sent into my email box uh, from a, a search engine, a ministry that will give me boo koodles of ministers that are looking for a church in all different areas. Or ministers who are looking for a church and churches who are looking for a minister. And so there's all sorts of want ads. I came across this one want and I thought it was quite humorous because this is what the secular world or Christians who are very nominal in their faith might write as a want if they were looking for a minister. It would go something like this, with a nice border around it in the center section of the classified of your newspaper here. It would say, minister wanted. A real challenge for the right man. Opportunity to become better acquainted with people. Limitless benefits. Applicants must offer experience and know-how as office manager, educator, artist, theologian, circus clown, audio engineer, politician, salesman, diplomat, writer, missionary, traffic cop, psychologist, funeral director, wedding consultant, master of ceremonies, athlete, teenage specialist, and a computer tech he must know all about problems of birth, schooling, marriage, children, diets, and death, also conversant with the latest theories and practices in economics, nuclear science, nutrition, pediatrics, space exploration, <laughs> linguistics, and women's lives. The right man will hold firm views on every subject, but is careful not to upset people who disagree. He must smile habitually, sing softly, must be forthright but flexible. Return backbiting and gossip that was given to him with Christian love and instant forgiveness. Should have friendly disposition 24 hours a day. Must be a captivating speaker, but also an intent listener. Education preferably beyond PhD requirements, but also concealed in homespun modesty and folksy talk. Able to sound learned, however, at the same time that he could relate to the simple person. Familiar with literature read by congregational members. We'll spend at least 30 hours per week in the study, but remain ever available and adaptable to sudden interruptions. Must certainly be up on current events, novels, the arts, and periodicals, reading a minimum of 15 hours weekly in fields outside of the ministry. Now to the applicant's wife. She must be both stunning and plain, smartly attired but conservative in appearance, gracious yet discerning. Loving yet disciplined, efficient yet casual and available, must be thrilled to work in the church, know how to repair the church copy machine, clean the kitchen, teach Sunday school, babysit, and never become discouraged and never listen to gossip, yet be fully aware of all the church problems so she can pray intelligently. Now to the children. The applicant's children must be clean cut, all-American models. No long hair, beards, mustaches, bare feet, tattoos, overalls, or puka shell necklaces. They must be well-behaved, never sit in the balcony, yet no different from other youths at church. Tanned and handsome, but seldom at the beach, unless, of course, witnessing. Present and quiet at all church services. Now, the applicant's automobile must not be new or old. Must be adequate, but not stylish. No van, camper, sports car, convertible, motorcycle is permitted. Home must be near the church and always available for gatherings. It must neither be large nor small, lest others feel uneasy. Swimming pool is questionable since family must appear humble, slightly strained, decent, and unoffensive. Directly responsible for views and conduct of all church members, visitors, impervious to criticism, yet teachable and transparent. Must be a visionary, yet budget-minded. Creative, yet traditional. Defender of the faith, yet pleasant and positive. All replies kept confidential. Anyone applying must undergo a full battery of exams to determine the sanity. Now, I know I've read that quite long, and I have to tell you guests here that our church does not expect me to live up to all of these. All right, let's go on now, shall we? And they really don't. They've been very, very good with me, and uh, our church is a great church. But on the other hand, if you've been around church a long time, any kind of church, and some of you have been, you know that you can go to churches and it is a nightmare in those churches and the divisions that are going on. And it's my desire that we would not have that here. So that's why I have to teach this material to you. Let me begin by saying that what we're learning from a man by the name of the Apostle Paul, referred to as the Apostle Paul. Now, this Apostle Paul was a person that was handpicked by God for ministry, and what he's writing to us is found in the divine inspiration of Scripture. So this is really God's mind on the kind of minister that a church would really need, and it's very, very important. And what I found out about the life of the Apostle Paul is how provocative his life is. If you'll notice, here's this great man of God used of the Lord, inspired of him to write almost the majority of the New Testament. Some people think that Luke wrote more words in the New Testament than Paul did, but Paul wrote more books. And here's this great man of God, planted churches, went on three missionary journeys, disciple people, and essentially he was a one-man band with his group building the church. But what people don't know unless you've studied his life, is that the great apostle Paul began as a, in an adult life as one who was killing Christians, not converting people to Christianity. Now, when I look at that and God called him, even with a horrible background... That leaves it open for any one of you, man, woman, boy, or girl, that whatever your past life is, that God can still take you. In fact, I sometimes wonder if he doesn't choose to take the base things of the world to confound the wise of the world. Now, for those of you that are already saved and you're wondering, is God calling me? I'm talking about your life way before when you are in the unsaved situation, when you were doing these evil deeds, perhaps whatever they might be in your eyes, in an unconverted fashion, ignorantly, not so much right now. But whatever your baggage is, I want you to know God is willing to clean you up and to begin to use you again for his glory so that you cannot glory in what you have done that got you to the point so that you could be called. It has nothing to do with that. God will still use you. Listen to how Paul describes his life at the end of his life. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful. Not that Paul did. Putting me into service even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Notice the progression. He spoke evilly, blasphemer, persecuted. He sought people so he could harm them, and then he actually did it. He was a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. So here's the Apostle Paul. He comes to know Christ as his Savior, and then God begins to call him into full-time ministry, and yet he had some baggage. So that leaves the door open for every one of us in here today that we can be used... But how did he know he was called? Well, in the middle of his testimony of his life, he talks about his feeling for getting the gospel out. And here's what he says in uh, 1 Corinthians nine sixteen and 17. He says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. Here it is. For I'm under compulsion to get this message out. For woe is unto me if I don't preach the gospel. If I do this thing willingly, he says, I have a reward. But if it's against my will, I still have a responsibility that's been given unto me to do this. So he sensed this responsibility that he was saved from the guttermost now to the uttermost. And with that responsibility, he said, I I have a compulsion. I can't stop giving the gospel out. So whether I get rewarded or not, i got to get this thing out. And maybe that would be something that you could begin to ask yourself on your journey. Well, I want to become a minister because there's some great perks in there, but you're not willing to do the works of it all. Could it be the fact that uh, we are sensing that no matter how we live, we want to give the gospel and we know where God guides, God provides, and where God leads, God feeds, and we're going to trust Him with this thing because we've got to get that gospel out. Whether I'm rewarded or not, it doesn't matter because I've already received my reward and I have something waiting for me on the other side with God. So God says, I'm going to do that for you. So what kind of a, a minister... What a church really needs. So I'm just going to give you our first point now, and that is a minister who has been chosen by God. A minister who is chosen by God. So if you are on, a, on a, a candidating board or a pulpit search committee, as you're going through all the requirements of what you're looking for in a minister, and we're not going to cover them all today, probably the first one, if I'm looking at it in this context, would be, has this man first been called by God to be a minister? So before we talk about has he been called to your ministry or to your church... Is he, first of all, a man of God that is God-appointed, God-selected? Let's look at that now in the passage, and here's what you read. It says this, The gospel which you heard, which was preached, of which I, Paul, became a minister for the sake of the church, I became a minister according to, and notice the bold print, you can underline it, according to the stewardship of God. Now, you could take the word stewardship there and just circle that and put the word responsibility, okay? According to the responsibility I've been given from God, the management responsibility. Then he says, which was given to me for you. It's interesting how Paul sees this. He says, I have this responsibility to preach, but as it was given to me, it's not all about me. I was given this responsibility to add value to your life. Now, look at that same passage, and here's what you're going to see. The word minister is found twice. Will you circle that? Twice. He emphasized the fact that he was a minister, that he was chosen by God. And the word minister simply means a servant or a worker. In some cases, it had even translated as a deacon. So however you want to look at this, the idea was, I've been chosen by God to serve. And that was a very important part of his life. Now, I thought that was interesting because some people go into ministry, maybe because they think it's a great profession to go into. And may I tell you, in my opinion, I think it is a great profession. Let me take just a sidebar for just a moment. Should you be in ministry and should you then have to step away from a church or whatever happens, I want you to know that most ministers, most ministers have been incredibly equipped to do many things. They're managers. They know how to work with finances. They know how to vision cast. They know how to problem solve. They also know how to staff. They know how to write. They know how to speak. So there's a lot in that package of a minister that can easily be translated into the secular world. And when it hits the secular world, there's often more money in that. I'm not trying to for you guys that are on my staff to go into the secular work for money. The point is to say that you have to be called into this because then it doesn't become about that money out there any longer. But you've got some tremendous skills. But to be a minister, yes, it is kind of a, an interesting, wonderful profession. You get a chance to do a lot, meet a lot of people. But at the same time, that's not what chooses you is because you like a cushiony job. It is definitely not a cushion job, and very soon you'll find that out. Also, we don't go into ministry merely because we had dominant parents who at one time either were in ministry or are in ministry or perhaps they were reared in a church that made it an expectation that all the youth, they must go into ministry or they're less than what God wants them. So you don't go into ministry merely because you've been pressured into it by some external source or family. You have to be called by God. And that's why, kids, it's important for us as you're growing that you grow in your understanding between you and your relationship with the Lord before you head into ministry. And then finally... I don't believe that we're called to go into ministry because we have a lot of opinions. We're an opinionated person about politics, world issues. And so we now know that being a pastor, we can use that pulp, that, that platform to expound our own personal opinions about life. We use it as opportunities to advance our own interests and needs and causes. When we choose to accept the call that God calls us into ministry, it's no longer about what we see as important from our own inner desires. It becomes, what is the message of God that the world needs to hear? And we're going to live and die by that message. We're given His cause, not our own personal causes. so, again, you have to be called by God into this, and it's not so much a personal call into it. If you look at Romans chapter 15... Paul continually goes on and he says, Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Circle the word minister again twice. You could tell that he was driven by this. He was a passionate man. He knew that he was supposed to be a minister. So whether he was speaking to the Corinthians or whether he was speaking to the Romans or even in Colossae here, he was just driven by, I want to minister. I am called of God to get a message to other people. And so ask inside of you, is there something going on inside of you that, that you, you know you want to get a message out and you want to live your life in secular work, but there's always that knocking on the door. You want to kind of, you know, flip that into a spiritual conversation pretty quickly. Could it be that you want to minister to them? There are some of you that might be somewhat frustrated because you're in a secular job, but you find yourself around the church all the time. I mean nearly all the time, and you wish you could be here all the time. The only thing that's holding you back is that secular job you got. Well, it could be that God might be preparing your heart for ministry, and he's using your secular job to maybe make tents to get some money to live. And God is not against bivocational pastors, but it could be that this is that passion that's inside of you. And then again in 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled to to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Remember, this calling comes from God. It doesn't come from man. 1 Timothy 2.5-7. There For is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, which I was appointed. He didn't select this himself. He didn't go to the newspaper. God appointed him to that. 2 Timothy 1.11. He says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Now, I've already hammered enough on the fact that God appointed him to that job. Now, we'll see in a moment where the church confirms it, but God appointed him to that. But I want you to see in verse 11, the verse I gave you a moment ago, it said a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. What I wanted you to see in this, that when you are called in a church leadership role, that that role does not merely mean that it's only the pastor, the pulpiteer that it could be a teacher, it could be a missionary, and that's how I would define apostle today. Apostle goes into an area where there's just lost people and he carves out a ministry there and he puts them into the local church and probably plants a local church. That's an apostle, an entrepreneur Christian ministry type of thing. The point still being is that God is calling you to that position and that's an appointment that you have. So if you're looking for a church, you want to find a guy who wants to be a pastor because he senses the overall call of God. Here's another reason why. Because when he knows that he is called, when there is going to be conflict or issues, not always against him, but just in the ministry, problems, suffering, we're going to, he will not cut and run. There's examples of shepherds in the Bible, not spiritual Bible teaching shepherds, but shepherds of real sheep. And these shepherds of real sheep that were just hired shepherds, in other words, they were hired to take over someone else's sheep. When the wolf came, those shepherds fled then because they really weren't called to those sheep. And so the man that is called to be your shepherd, This person will not cut and run when there's challenges. When they really sense that call, they're going to be there when the sheep are suffering and hurting. In fact, they even want to be there more because they want to relieve that suffering. That's the kind of minister that God would be calling. And it wouldn't surprise me that maybe some of you, he's preparing the hearts of that as well. So keep that in mind. It might be something good for you to think about. I'd like to now speak, before I get into my points here of what is the call to ministry, And that is that in the Bible, God calls that role of a shepherd, minister, I'll use that term, a minister, he calls it, first of all, in one passage, a glorious calling. I want you to know that you could, you could hear a lot of stuff about pastors today by listening to late-night comedians and how they want to really bash evangelicals. You can watch a lot of television shows that likes to get their political incorrectness, I might say, and shoot it out about Christians and Christian leaders and how they want to make buffoons out of all pastors or people that are in ministry in front of us, and they parade that constantly in front of people. I want you to know that that's going to be out there. And I, would, I do not want to marginalize any one of your honest professions that you have right now. But I have to tell you that God does call a pastor, a minister, a glorious one. In fact, another passage of Scripture, he calls it a very good and honorable work. So, should you want to become a pastor or a minister, I want you to hold your head up high amidst all of the different stuff you're going to hear out in the world. I want you to know that God called you to that position. It is a high, holy calling. Don't step down to be a president if God called you to be a minister. In fact, because of all that you might have to go through as a called minister of God, God says that when you get to heaven, you not only get rewards for your faithfulness and doing it in love and for his glory, but you get a special crown and there are only five crowns mentioned in the Bible and one of those crowns are for those that go into ministry, vocational Christian service. So God says, I know it's a tough job, it's a high holy calling, but I will reward you in a special way. So I want you to know this is a good thing. And yet, when I hear all of that, and I hope the churches are preaching all of that, I scratch my head and I say, why aren't more of our young people surrendering in ministry? Why is it that they go to youth groups, soon as they get to the college age, they ricochet off the church out into the world, and then they have to find themselves for a while, only to complicate their life so much that they rarely do find their purpose in life, ultimate godly for God purpose, then they hardly ever come back? Why is it that? Have we failed? Have I failed? Has the church in general failed? Have parents failed? Have the kids failed? I don't know. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying, before we want to jump into going into other schools and other things, at least for a moment, and how long that moment might be ought to be more than just a split second, to really center down and say, God, are you doing things in my life, getting me ready to hear a call from you into this glorious, good, honorable job that will get a special reward? Could God be doing this? Why is it that there are more people in the world and, yes, less missionaries and pastors in the world? I I, I can't understand that. And I guess until the day I die, I'm going to do everything I can to continue to cast a vision for our young people to at least consider seriously the ministry and the calling of God while they're still getting equipped to be butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers. Now that I said that, let me speak in a balanced, loving way. That does not mean that if you are doing something else other than pastoring, that you are less of a Christian because of that. Here is what I'm clearly saying. If God has called you to be a Christian minister and you're not, then whatever you do is less than what God called you to do. But if you are in the center of what you should be doing, we'll call it God's will, then you do it to the best of your ability for the glory of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and do it. But at the same time, don't immediately jump off into some other type of career path without thinking that could God be calling me to do this? It is something that we might want to consider doing. Very much important. All right, so let's now begin answering what is the call to ministry? What is the call to ministry? I'm going to put it in layman's language as simply as I can, and I I hope it's not oversimplified, but it's simply God's sovereign selection. It's God's sovereign. That means he's in control. He chooses to do this. And what does he do? He chooses to select individuals, male and female, for full-time vocational service. Now, I know that there's the argument everything we do for God is sacred. There's no secular and sacred. I can argue that very clearly and empirically. And yet at the same time, I can also argue that there is in Scripture models of we might call liturgical as well as a little bit more secular. So there is some of that in there. Now let's go a little bit further. In one sense, all believers are called to salvation. That means God is calling anyone who's trusted in Christ as their Savior to be a Christian. So he's calling, would you come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, come and drink of the water of life freely. Come, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's calling everyone to believe in Christ to have everlasting life. And if you're a guest here today, no matter that I'm speaking so much to Christians right now, or at least to inform you on your journey of how pastors call... I want you to know that you're not immune from this message specifically in this general area. And that is that God is crying out to you that you would come to His Son by faith alone. That you would shed your thinking of it being by good works. Or shed your thinking that it's by faith in Christ and good works. And that you would fully embrace Jesus Christ as the Lord who died. And that you need a Savior that you would be willing enough to admit that you've missed the mark of His perfection, that you've sinned. You've either told lies or had bitterness or moral impurity, at least in your thought life, that there are things that are not right, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And God is saying, that's okay. I love sinners. That's for whom I come to die. And rise again. And he says, I'm calling you. Would you now come to me by faith? Don't come to me promising you'll start something or stop something. You just come to me, place your faith alone in me. That's a call for salvation. And please, my friend, don't miss that call. You may miss the call to ministry, live your life, still go to heaven. But if you miss the call to salvation by faith alone in Christ, you miss that call, the consequences of it are eternal and they're horrific. All right, let's go a little bit further. They're also called beyond salvation once they're a Christian now.